Welcome to It's No Secret, a podcast for Kiwis who want their money questions answered. Ready, steady, go. This podcast will answer the money questions you may or may not have on your mind. We'll talk to real Kiwis and share truths about our own financial lives, both the successes and the failures. Because the truth is, there is no secret to achieving financial freedom. Okay, hello and welcome to It's No Secret. I'm Kat. And I'm Christine. And today on the show, we're going a bit rogue and we're just going to test out a new episode format that we've made up on the spot (laughs) titled Christine and Kat Answer Some Random Questions. Now, you might be thinking, (laughs) what on earth is this about? Um, Obviously, at the end of every episode, we always prompt people to like slide into the DMs or come and ask us about something. And we love hearing from listeners either like, on the phone, which happens randomly, don't even ask yeah. why, but we managed to speak to people on the phone all the time. It or literally like, happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it literally did happen yesterday. Um, or, you know, on email because they email through to like support at Kernel or they just do slide into the DMs and talk to us on It's No Secret NZ. Um, so, yes, from time to time we do have lots of nice conversations with people and we thought we would just throw a few questions out there that we've recently come across and put Christine and myself in the hot seat to provide an answer. So one that's been getting a lot of airtime recently and I'm interested to discuss, Christine, is because you are kind of in this pre-situation. I could see this happening for you. So we've had this week, um, you know, my partner and I both invest. We kind of manage our money separately and we just got married and we now want to create a joint account. Like, can we do that? What should we do? How should we do it? Yeah. Obviously, there's some specifics in there that we can't really talk to because it's kind of giving financial advice. But what are your thoughts on just the general structure of that question? Because you and Ollie manage your money separately and you Mm -hmm. have independent investments and other things. And I could see that, you know, at some future point, if you got married, you would think about this. So where does your brain go? Yeah. So firstly, my brain went to wills because when Mm -hmm. you get combined finances, your wills are redundant or not redundant. You have to When you get married. Married, married. Sorry. Yeah. So that's like one financial thing. Isn't it? No. Yes, no, correct, yeah, correct, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, it was the other way. No, it is. No, when you get yeah. married, yep, your yeah. wills are invalid. So do that first. Mm. And then I think about would Ollie and I combine our finances mm. should we get married? And I think the answer is probably not, to mm. be completely honest. I mm-hmm. think we would create like a, a bank account together, which we don't even have really, um, yes. to run our expenses through. But in terms of investments, there's – literally no benefit in doing that unless I was to be on a lower tax rate or he was or something like that, yes. that we could um, put the majority of our investment or savings into, into that and then invest through that. But like also the way, as far as I understand it, the structure of KiwiSaver is set up, you have to have your individual KiwiSaver until you can withdraw it at 65 anyway. Yes. So yeah. So you can't join everything anyway. Yeah. And so I guess the only benefit would be if you had were able to have access hmm. or like viewing access hmm. to Ollie or Ollie's your partners accounts. or whatever, you could yeah. see what they're up to. But there's a part Would of me that's also, that? well, I'm like, there's a part of me that thinks you should be able to have those conversations and or mm. sit down and just have mm. a financial date and talk about it. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it's setting the collective. I mean, you could just steal his login. Yeah. Right? <laughs> really secure. I mean, would you? <laughs> I do that. Like, uh, I just. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, I have his login, like, yeah. for other things. I could probably guess yeah. his password, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'd obviously ask for his permission. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, high security 2FA as But I think the only thing that I would think about it is if how do I know that my money and his money are working towards a mm, common goal? Yes. And I that's think nice. you can kind of do that outside of. Yep. 
your investment platform or whatever yeah. as well. Yeah. Because not many investment platforms are really set up to support like two accounts or, you know, streams of money going into the same The same goal. Kind of, yeah, right? fair, 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 fair. Yeah. 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 What are your thoughts? Um, Great question. I don't think that – well, I mean, look – Right now, the only thing that Luke and I have in joint names is our house and our bank accounts. We've never oh, yeah. actually gone down the path of setting up other investments in joint names. Even my shares in Kernel are in my name, which cracks me up all the time because I love to be like, they're my shares. <laughs> it really, <laughs> it really upsets be, right? him. Oh, yeah. I mean, they could be in joint names, oh, but for okay. complexity, we were like, no, bugger that. You yeah. don't get to sign things. I do. So <laughs> <laughs> Also, probably turn it around faster. <laughs> but, you know, it's like... It's for us. I look at that, and I'm like, it's semantics in terms of the ownership, because of mm. course, under property law, it's all fifty fifty anyway, whether mm. or not it's owned in his personal name or my personal name. Um, but to your point, I think the thing that I would always want is like comfort and security around understanding where things are, and that I could like access them or see them if I needed to. Mm. And so, um, I just do have all the login details, yeah, of mm. everything, including his internet banking. I mean, he knows, but like, don't, don't tell the bank. <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> but you know, like, and yeah. which uh, yeah. I'm fine with, he's fine with. Um, mm. And then we kind of keep track. Yeah. Also for record keeping. But to your point, it's like, yeah, KiwiSavers are separate. Our Australian supers are separate. They have to be. So there is an element of like, I want to make sure that we both know where those things are so that should the worst case scenario happens, they've got that information. But I feel no pressure to have like joint accounts. Together. Just yes, yeah. just because yeah, just because yeah. we're like moving everything into a joint account because I'm like, well, the underlying investments wouldn't change, mm. so I really just have no motivation to go through the admin nightmare of doing that. <laughs> and I, do you think also it changes when you have kids, like yeah. setting up an investment account for them? Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. potentially with that. And mm. then also to a point about the wills, I'm like, I'm probably just more focused on making sure that our like estate planning and wills are more up to date yeah. to make sure that things happen rather than necessarily moving everything into joint names. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Great. Next question. Okay. Question number two, getting put on the spot here. I'm going to refer to Personal Finance New Zealand on Reddit to just <laughs> get some pop inspo. on in. Um, oh. oh, I have one actually. Yes, hit me. Um, this isn't really related to our personal situations at mm. all, but I feel like there is an assumption that when you near the age of 65, you need mm. to basically start investing for income straight away. Do you know Talk what I mean? So, to like, me more about that. So, let's say you are in your early, early to mid 50s, you've mm. got kind of like 10 years away from retirement, mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. if you are 65, you hit that yeah. point and you maybe even are still working, but you feel like you need to have an income um, immediately. Yeah. And like, I think people think that you have to convert everything to cash when really you've got like 30 years timeline. Yeah. That's a fair assumption. That's a fair assumption. I think as well, people don't generally know how to convert what is like this capital sum, i.e. how much you have cumulatively invested across all of your assets available to you to then Mm. turn that into an income stream. And I appreciate that that is a challenge because for most people, their income is just something that gets paid into their bank account from an employer. The idea of like taking a lump sum of money that's in KiwiSaver and turning that into an income is very fucking foreign. Yeah. (laughs) like Especially when it can feel like such a huge amount of money and you want to make the right decision and know what to do. And we've not really been taught 
how that kind of works. Mm. And so I can totally see how that would like stress people out. That's also why it stresses me out as someone mm. that worries about strangers' retirements. <laughs> it's like if you, let's say you earn $70,000 and you live off $70,000, I'm like simple maths. You want to live for 20 years in retirement. You need 20, 20 years times $70,000 because that's what you've been living on. Mm. And when you compute how much that is, like people don't seem to reconcile that with what they then actually have in KiwiSaver and that's what stresses me out. Mm. Granted, not everyone, you know, has to live on what they've been earning because people do adjust but still. That kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, it is It is very interesting. Yeah. I actually recently, taking this to a more personal level, was having a conversation with a really good friend's mum who handed in her resignation yesterday oh, um, to just to, like, to like be done. Yeah, oh. like retire, right? Oh gosh, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, And she was like, yeah, it made kind of this offhanded comment about like, oh, you know, like it would be nice to have a bit of money but I don't need to be working. And I'm like, okay, well, what is it? Like it can't be both. It's either one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I think it was just that mentality of she meant it would be nice to have like a regular paycheck coming in, but she actually has enough in like savings oh, and right. her retirement money that she doesn't need to do that. But we'll now mm-hmm. be faced with that um, transition of like how do you replicate your paycheck from essentially your KiwiSaver or your like investments and savings? Yeah. Well, so on that, do you, like, if you are a DIY investor, Mm. can you do that yourself and, like, and have a good outcome? I think so. You think so? What do you you think? Well, I reckon when I get to that stage, I'll probably be like, financial advisor, please help me. Because I want to make sure that, you know, it's the, like, needing of the validation or you're making the right decision. Yeah. Okay, I've got a question for you, though. Yeah. I'm just going to question your logic. Yes, yeah. You have managed to save and invest for yourself up until 65 successfully to then retire. Why do you think you would be inept to manage that in retirement? Because it's a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's on the basis that I haven't had financial advice to that point. True. Well, you're just doing the reverse, right? Like you've done all the hard work of contributing the money regularly to get to the large deposit. I think what just naturally Mm. freaks people out is like that's the way our brains are wired, right, is to have more and to see the numbers like go up. And then it's like, well, the whole point of retirement is the numbers should go down. Because you're spending it. You're exhausting the capital. That's fine unless you have some grand plan to like, I don't know, create a shit ton of wealth and basically just transfer it over to your dependents or like children or whoever, family, and only live on the investment returns. Like that's also cool. But for Mm. a lot of people, the reality is is like they'll do that for some of it potentially, but you're still exhausting the vast majority of your capital. And that's good. That's that's why you did it in the Mm. first place. Yeah, that's true. That's such a good point about like, not wanting to see your money go down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like it's, you should be thrilled that you now get to go on a holiday every year and, and not, not have, work. Yeah. <laughs> like that is thrilling. Yeah. If I could do that tomorrow, I I would. You can also liken that to saving towards a goal. You hit the yes. goal, you drain the money or you yeah. use it. And then yeah. you're like, it's such a psychological thing to Definitely. be like, oh no, but I need to keep on this, to more, hold more or I like, know. what about the next goal and the yeah. next thing? And it's- Well, this is the whole thing, like to the point about, hopefully some listeners have listened to the episode about goals, but it, it is that thing of like, you kind of need to be specific. Otherwise, mm. to your point about, you know, you having your goal around, well, I'm just saving some amount for a holiday. Well, how do you know when you decide to have a 
holiday, what kind of holiday you can have and yeah. how much you can spend. And is it the bougie version or is it like the camping low key at like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the North Island version? Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't really know. And it's the same thing as retirement, but on a much bigger scale for people because they're also going through like a huge life change, which is stopping mm-hmm. work and creating a whole other purpose in their life, basically. Yeah. And then you also at that point in time don't know how much money you can spend. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. If you were to see a financial advisor, I would say like help them navigate you through that like emotional change, mm. but not necessarily that you need the help to manage the money. It's like you need help to manage the transition of your life. Mm. New business idea. Just become a retirement coach. <laughs> oh, God. Free side hustle for someone if they want to take yeah, that yeah. idea up. <laughs> Oh, okay. I am going to find another question for you, Christine. Ooh, okay. Concerned about possible future job loss. This is timely because I feel like a lot of people last year were like, oh my God, recession, anything could happen. Like, you know, we all knew about it, rising interest rates, like be prepared. And then feels like it's gone a bit quiet in the, you know what I mean? In, in terms of the doom and gloom, like finance comms in the last little bit. But mm-hmm. then also we hear lots of like news from people or just snippets from friends about, you know, businesses are still going through restructures or closing or, you yeah. know, hitting challenges, all that kind of stuff. So mm. the question is, is that um, what should basically you be doing in case you are worried about future job loss? Emergency fund is number yeah. one. Make yeah. sure you have a, like enough of a buffer to cover you for three to six months. That's kind of the standard, right? Yeah. Um, or general amount. Yeah. I'd say that's number one. And then mm. paying off any consumer debt, which mm. kind of goes along with the. True. Pay so off you, the things that if you can whilst you're still employed that yeah. would put you under pressure. Yeah. If you wanted okay. to, and if you were in the financial position to do this, you could pay off a lump sum of your mortgage to decrease the repayments. That's a great point because this person that's posted this question said they have a mortgage, a car loan, and their other primary expenses is child and daycare. So if you could make some Mm. good headway on the car loan, that would be, be, yeah. Yeah. And then probably Mm. try, like, cancel your subscription. You know, if you really wanted to cut back on your expenses to try to get that low to increase your disposable income, maybe it's like an audit. Having been through that situation of when Luke lost his job and it, makes you realize how much you can cut out if this is something that you're genuinely concerned about like start acting like that now yeah you know like start spending the money or reduce the things that you would cut out if it did happen now to help you create more of a buffer yeah and then also i guess it readjusts your expectations to what would need to be your future normal and if it doesn't happen you'll be in a better position and if it does it won't be such a shock to the system because i think it's the like shock factor and grief of that that also adds to the stress in that moment. Totally, totally. And then, I mean, the other way could be to increase your income somehow. So Mm. if that's not in your day job you could find a yeah. side hustle yeah. or do some like Start askable working survey, out, research or the working the like you yeah, know the job at, yep networks yep, totally you know, if you are worried kind of start doing a bit of networking to see well okay what would be my backup plan yeah and could you make that a consistent thing yeah like contracting or whatever yeah, yeah. okay yeah Love that's that. my two cents anything else you'd add no i think that was very sensible oh thank sensible you guidance thank you. Well you i will use my own guidance <laughs> <laughs> have you got any other questions for me 
there was a question to the podcast recently and someone, so in one of the recent money moments, they said, for cat, mm. in the money moments, you explained that even though in pure mass, it made sense to pay off your mortgage with the money that you have in your investments, but wanted the option and safety of that money for expanding your family. Totally makes sense. But I was thinking you could pay it off and then get that amount again to have available in a revolving mortgage account. So you can have the ability to access it if you meet, if you need it. But in the meantime, you are not paying interest on it. Yeah. I'm not a mortgage broker, but just pondering. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> good thoughts. Good thoughts. So that is a suggestion that is also totally valid and yeah. an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have as much clarity around how the revolving mortgage structures work in New Zealand, but we do have a revolving credit facility or have had one in the past. But my understanding of them is, is that – they, they can't be fixed. So the first downside is that it's on a floating rate. And of course, like floating rates are much higher than the fixed rates. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is like, let's say you had $100,000 that you had in savings, you would split off $100,000 into a revolving credit facility and you would just keep the 100000 in there and you could draw down on it at any time when you oh, needed yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it could sit there it's not incurring any interest whilst it is sitting there. You're making repayments still um, and then you draw down on the money. Now, this can work for things like we used it when we were doing our renovations, right? And we were like, we need an amount of money to fund the renovations, but you're not going to pay all of the expenses at one time. It's going to happen over like six months. So that worked for us. And then when all that money was drawn down and spent, we then refixed the mortgage. So it was on a lower interest rate and we had certainty. So mm. for me, and I guess my kind of mindset, I know it's like one and the same, but I still feel that just feels, and I know it's semantics, but it feels to me like I'm debt funding something. You know what I mean? Because it's like that whole thing of, okay, well, if I spend that money, I'm now going to start paying interest Mm. on that money that's been spent because I'm essentially taking out of the revolving credit facility. I don't know when it's going to go back in Mm. and I don't know at what point I'm going to be able to fix that loan, right? Whereas in the other scenario that I talked about, which is like the whole mortgage is fixed, the $100,000 has been kept in a cash account or a savings account somewhere else, that major portion of the mortgage is fixed, that has certainty. We know what the repayments are. We know what the interest is for the fixed period of time. And then that $100,000 just is sitting there in case we need it. That just gives me more personal comfort because it's like the mental, yeah, yeah, it's the mental bucketing piece essentially. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, when that mortgage comes Mm -hmm. up, like for the fixed or the refix period, we could assess, well, do we just want to pay like a lump sum off? Do we still need the hundred thousand sitting there or do we not? And go from there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I feel like it also sounds like less admin to yeah. just keep it in cash yeah. or yeah. like mental burden yeah. maybe. I also of have like, like manage all the things. probably a weird psychological thing of like I just don't like the bank knowing where all my money is. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Enough. Like yeah. I kind of like just having – I just don't like – feeling reliant on our primary bank, which is the one that lends us money because maybe my underlying sentiment is just like, they don't fucking owe us anything. So what? they're not going to help us out in a pickle. Like the bank is not. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, if you're one yeah. of those people that's like, oh, if I was really in a pickle, the bank is going to help you. No, the bank yeah. is there to make money yeah. off it's a business. you. You are like the thing that they're making money off. Yeah. And that's maybe a bit aggressive, but you know what I mean? Like, reality. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just how I feel about yeah. it. And so I yeah. quite like having some separation 
of those, or just all of our monies, basically. Yeah. I feel like this is a really good example of sometimes it's just bound, like it just depends on your perspective or like mm-hmm. emotive kind of reasons, Correct. really. Like outside of the underlying facts. People if there's make two, decisions yeah. about money that are completely irrational all the time. Like yeah. to that thing, it's like that's maybe not super rational. Mm. And you could also set it up in another way that's completely valid, but you just need to pick the thing that works, works for best yeah. for how you, well, just gives you the most comfort. Mm. Yes, love it. Great Great. question. Great. So thanks, Jane, for sending that in. Okay. Okay. The question is, how would I move my super fund from Oz to New Zealand if if an Australian was moving to New Zealand? Great question. Easy question. It's actually super easy. Um, the main things is that you need to obviously have a KiwiSaver account set up here. Like you have to have an account set up in the first instance. So yep. get over that hurdle and have an account set up somewhere in KiwiSaver and then reach out to your KiwiSaver provider to make sure that they could accept the money from an Australian super fund mm-hmm. because depending, like not all of them could. So make sure that they can do that first. And then you actually just have to go directly to the super fund that you have money in in Australia. Now they're going to be painful. They're going to put up hurdles and they're going to try and make you do lots of paperwork because lo and behold, financial institutions do not want you to take their money away from them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, you just need to persist. You need to find the paperwork. You need to jump through the hoops and go through basically verification processes and other things, complete the forms. Um, if you don't know how to complete all the forms, you can actually just send them through to your KiwiSaver provider and they will help you do that. Um, and then basically what happens is once it's accepted by your Australian super fund, the money gets paid directly to like the IRD or Link, oh, okay. which is like one of the QSOVA kind of um, third-party providers that liaise between the IRD and the QSOVA providers. So it won't just go to like Colonel directly. Yeah. First it needs to go through like the IRD so they have record of it you and they make right sure now. that it's categorised differently to your other QSOVA um, and then your provider would get notification that that money is there. Um, sometimes they can be a bit slack on comms, so keep mm. like chasing your Australian provider to find out exactly when they made that payment and then I would basically give it a week and start to follow up with your other provider in New Zealand so they can also chase it. And then basically they get the money and it'll get invested in your QSaver account and then Sweet. that's it. Nice. Yeah, Love kind it. of easy with a little bit of like paperwork work at the start. Yeah, and following up. Yep. Um, also your point about don't let them like convince you otherwise. I think it also applies to when you switch KiwiSaver providers in New Zealand. So if you yes. are very, you know, want to move, I've had this happened where when I moved from, I think it was Generate to ASB, Generate mm. really tried to give me the sales pitch as to why I should stay. Yeah. And so it's just don't necessarily give in to the sales tactics is all yeah. I'm kind of saying. Exactly. You've made your decision for a reason. So just stick to that and yeah. ask for what needs to happen to move forward. Exactly. <laughs> Get blunt and honest. Love with them. that. Yeah. What was your question? Um, I'd have thought of one, so I feel like we can probably wrap it there. Okay, great. If well, anyone has a question. Yes, please send them through. <laughs> for this lovely new random ad hoc episode format that we're testing out. You will also take feedback on the format. Yeah, the juicier the better. Um, yeah. Obviously, we cannot provide financial advice, but we will always give you our thoughts and commentary on whether or not, you know. And realistic view and exactly. whether we're actually doing what we say we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So awesome. um, send us a DM at It's No Secret NZ on Instagram or you can 
head to our website www.itsnosecret.co.nz yeah. yep. or if you're a kernel customer just slide into the kernel like intercom dms because yep. christine and i are just in there at the moment just reading little just things cruising. checking up we're replying back to people i was on the 800 number yesterday just chatting to some podcast some fans yep. it's so fun so yep. yeah reach out to us we will find your questions and we will talk about them on the show thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next week bye bye, bye.